Good morning. I'd like to ask if you are a if you are from if you are on the run right now from Florida or somewhere like that, um, or also if you have a family member that is in the path of hurricane uh, any of these hurricanes, we even if it's in Mexico. Um, I'd like you to stand up right where you are. We're just going to embarrass you all the way. Just stand up right where you're at if you have a family member. And also if you're on the run right here. Former church members who live in Florida. Wow, welcome home. Glad you guys are here. We have some more uh, from Florida. Anybody else that's actually from on the run right now? Okay. Well, I'd like to ask, uh, we have, this is going to be kind of awkward for some of our people, but most of our people will, will do great with this. I'd like us to just go lay a hand right now. Just stand up right where you're at. Some of you feel comfortable doing this. Go lay a hand on them. Uh, surround these people. Let's make sure we've got some in the balcony up here. Hey, we need to get loose. Sometimes the Lord calls you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And let's lay hands on these people. And we're going to pray that God will put his... Hey, it, the members in our church know what it's like. And so let's pray for our friends. Let's pray. Father, we know, God, that your, your ear is not too far, that you do not hear us. And God, your arm is not too short. You cannot intervene. And so, Father, we pray right now for our friends, those that are here that are currently fleeing this hurricane. God, that you would protect them. God, you would protect the people there now in Florida and different places. God, that you would be there calm in the storm. God, we pray that you would protect many people. And God, when you do it, we pray that you would let them know that it's you that's doing the protecting. Father, many of our people, when uh, this brings back so many perilous times in their own life, and God, I pray that you would comfort people today through the power of your Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may return to your seat. Thank you. I had a few people ask us, are we a shelter, our church, are we a shelter? Um, and I would say that we are not yet, but we are ready. And so... We have right now First Baptist Wiggins, our fellow church, is taking people as a shelter, but we have showers are ready to roll up here at our church. Uh, we may, we'll see what happens over the next day, we may put a call out to you guys, to our church, through our social media, that we may need air mattresses and cots. And so if we, if we do that, just be prepared. Uh, we may, you guys, most of you went through Hurricane Katrina and others, and you know what they need, so I'm not going to sit here and rattle off things. Whatever you think they need, that'd be great. We'll see what happens, though. We'll put that out there, but as of now, we are not an active shelter. But we're willing and ready, and we've got a lot of showers at our church. Okay, Hebrews chapter 4. Today, we are talking about we believe in God's holy Word. So we're doing a series together, we believe, talk about core tenets of the faith, what we believe in, why we believe it. We believe here at our church in God's holy word. An errant, authoritative, inspired, perfect word of God. And so to think about this word, we could talk about how it has 
science has helped prove the Bible. We could talk about uh, thousands of fulfilled prophecies that there's no way people uh, in the Bible could have known the future except by the fact that God revealed it to them. Example, all of the, t- the text specifically about Jesus being pierced in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. Crucifixion didn't even exist at the time when they, those words were written. We could talk about archaeological evidence to back up the Bible. We could uh, talk about its internal consistency. We could talk about extra-biblical writings. Uh, Josephus and other, other scholars, secular scholars, that, uh, Jewish scholars that prove uh, the historicity of the Bible. We could talk about the manuscripts, 25,000 plus Old Testament, New Testament manuscripts, ancient documents. Some of them we have that exist from Old Testament before Jesus even was born. By the way, no other ancient document even comes close to that. We could talk about a lot of things. We could talk about the Bible's transforming power. We could talk about a lot of things concerning the Bible. But what I'd like to do today is for us to focus on Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And just experience for our own self and our own life the power of the Word of God. The reality is, as many people here today and many times in all of our lives, we do not, we lose faith in this. And so what I'd like us to do is if you have your copy of God's Word, paper copy or electronic version, and it's okay if you don't have a copy with you, we have, we have a copy of it. We're going to throw up on the screen. I'd like you just to hold your hands there in your lap. And let's just have a personal, private prayer moment. You and the Lord. I'd like you to cl- all, let's, uh, close our eyes, bow our heads, and just say softly to the Lord, Father, Father, I believe in Your Word. And God, I ask You to speak to me through it right now. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I'd like us to stand in honor of reading God's Word if you're physically able. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You may be seated. In the book of Ezra, when they would read the Bible, they, people would stand. Sometimes they would stand for hours. So we can be thankful for a short verse today, right? Why did they do that? To honor. Because God's Word is holy and is powerful. There's a few truths I'd like to share today from this text. Number one, God's Word is living. God's Word is living. It's alive. It's, it's like breath. In fact, the word living there, it means breath. It means alive. It means powerful. The actual word is zao, Z-A-O in English. It's the word that was used in John 4 when Jesus told the official at Capernaum, Go, your son will live. Jesus spoke that in Aramaic. 
But that's the same word used. Your son will live. Before the man made it home, his friends were running to him, telling him that the boy was alive. The man asked, what time did he get well? And they said, well, about the seventh hour. And the man knew right then. That is when Jesus told him that his son would live. Why? Because Jesus said it. God's word is powerful. And he himself believed in all his household. You see, God's word, it causes things to happen. Doesn't it? Causes things to happen. It it's alive. It, it moves. It has life. God's Word, it strengthens us when we are weak. It has the power to demolish strongholds. Now, whether you believe that or not, it's true. It has power to demolish strongholds. In fact, Jeremiah said, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord in Jeremiah 23, and like a hammer, which shatters a rock. God's word is like a hammer. Thank God, because our hearts many days are hard as a rock, and we need it to be like a hammer. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 11 quickly. Go to the left in your Bible. John chapter 11. This is a powerful example, I think, of God's word. John chapter 11, verse 17. The famous story when Jesus healed Lazarus. John chapter 11, verse 17. John chapter 11, verse 17. You ready? Now when Jesus came, He found that Lazarus, who? Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. Pause. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Know what I'm saying? Four days. Unpause. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Pause. You ever do that? Cry out to the Lord. Lord, if you would have answered my prayers, if God, if you would have done this, or if you would have done that, I do think God wants us to be honest with Him. Unpause. But even now, Lord, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to Him, I know that He will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now Martha gets real spiritual, okay? She's starting to think about when, when Lazarus rise to go, his physical body goes to heaven. Don't we do that? Get all spiritual when the Lord's trying to speak to us? Don't do that. The Lord speaks and we need to be quiet. Just like that song Corey sang, the Word of God speak. Be still and know. But the Lord said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. See that word live? It's the same word used in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. God's Word is alive. Jesus said, He that believes in Him will live. Everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to Him, Yes, Lord. I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. 
When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, Take the teacher, capital T, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. By the way, that's the shortest verse in the Bible. If you have a party on a Friday night, trivia night, that may be a question. Jesus wept. Now, the verses, the numbers, those are not inerrant, inspired. People added those to help us be able to find things, but they're not. those are not in the original text. So I don't know who decided that that was the shortest verse, but whatever. Y'all awake? You good? All right, good. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. Martha, she's making a lot of sense here, right? Jesus, my brother stinketh. He, he, he smells bad. By the way, we just had a baby this week. Yeah, seven pounds, 13 ounces. Well, praise God. And we're still in the motor oil diaper stage. So we're in the motor oil diaper stage, but we're about to be out of that. The motor oil diapers, they don't stinketh so much, but they're coming. Healthy baby boy, his name is Hudson Steele Frazier. Hudson after J. Hudson Taylor, famous missionary to China. There's more Christians in China today than America, partly because of the obedience of Hudson Taylor. Steele is his middle name. My wife's maiden name was Stillman before she hooked up with me. And uh, she, her dad had nothing but girls. So we're trying to keep that name alive a little bit. But Steele is a pretty manly name, so I kind of like that too. But Martha said, Jesus, this is not, this is, whoa now, this is not a good idea. Are you sure you know what you're doing? He's been dead four days in verse 40. Verse 40, he says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Friend, here's a powerful example of God's Word. 
Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Wow. It could have been if he would not have said Lazarus, called him by name, that every dead person around would have rose from the grave. Lazarus, come out. You see, God's Word is powerful. And today, if you don't get anything else, I hope you see, can see that we can trust God's infallible, holy Word. So back to Hebrews chapter 4, God's Word is active. So number, number one truth, God's Word is living. Number two, God's Word is active. God's Word is active. It means it's operative. Like a doctor does surgery. It's effectual. It energizes. It's like the Energizer Bunny. It charges us up. The Word is like a doctor. And our heart are the patients. Our hearts are the patients. God's Word diagnoses our greatest needs and points us to the hope of the Gospel. It can heal. When God says it, you can take it to the bank. You can trust it. God's Word never sleeps. It's always at work. It's all over the world. And it changes us. Today, there's many people fleeing a hurricane. You know what? There's going to be a lot of people that go to hotel rooms and they're going to pull out that little drawer beside the bed. And what's going to be there? A copy of a Gideon Bible. And a lot of people are going to find hope and comfort in God's Word. So number one seller today, still. There's more, uh, it's been translated in more languages than any other book in history. Next truth, last truth I'd like to share from this text. God's Word penetrates our deepest places. God's Word enters into the deepest part of who we are. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Anyone ever been stabbed with a two-edged sword? Anybody? No? I thought that would be pretty awesome if someone did and lived. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. See, only the, the Lord's Word can pierce the division of soul and spirit. Otherwise, they're one. Of joints and of marrow. Even down to our bones. Jeremiah cried out, God's Word is it's in my... I try to hold it in, but it's in my bones. It's like a fire inside of me. God's Word penetrates our deepest places. And discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. See that word discerning? Your, your text may say judge. The word there used is kritikos. And that's where we get our word critique from. And so it literally reads, and critiques the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word critiques us. The Word of God will keep you away from sin. 
or sin will keep you from the Word of God. The Word of God will keep you away from sin or you or sin will keep you away from the Word of God. Nothing is hidden in His sight. Do you ever try to cover up your motives like God can't see it? He knows. He sees it. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him. People hate this. People hate the Word of God critiquing them. That's why we run from it. That's why most many people uh, don't want to spend time in the Word. That's why many uh, people don't want to go to church to hear the Word. Most people in Hancock County today, guess what? They're not in church. You know why? Because they don't want to hear the Word. It's like a sword. Pierces. It's honest with us. It's like a mirror. God's law. This is why Pharisees don't want Bible preachers and teachers to teach the Bible. They're afraid about all the people discovering what the Bible actually says. And then the Pharisees, they want to keep people ignorant so that they can act like experts. Aren't you grateful that God's Word penetrates the deepest places? Now let's talk about translations quickly. Many people don't care, but a few people in here may, because they've always been wondering, why do we have all these translations? It's a good question to have. There's two primary ways people translate the Bible. There's In the name of Jesus, get off this microphone. There's two primary ways, okay? Formal equivalents is a word-for-word translation of the Bible. Okay, The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, and part of it was in Aramaic. Why? Because those languages do not change over time. English changes a lot, right? English is a quickly, it evolves quickly. In fact, social media is going to totally change how we use English. It's going to change. In a hundred years from now, if anybody is still alive then, People are going to talk very different than they do now. Isn't that fascinating? But the languages that God chooses to preserve His Word do not change. Now there is modern Hebrew, but the written Word is very accurate. We know it's accurate. So formal equivalence is a word-for-word translation. Okay, they, they see... They take the Hebrew word, they say, well, what's the English word for that? Okay, so let's write that down. And they just translate it. It takes a long time. An example of formal equivalence translation is New American Standard Version. The English Standard Version, the ESV, which is what I'm reading from today. The King James Bible. The New King James, which is an awesome translation. The new, uh, new translation it just came out with. Recently, the Christian Standard Bible. It's an awesome version of God's Word. Formal equivalence. The New Revised Standard Version. Now these versions, there's a few more that I didn't mention, they can be more difficult to read. Okay? So their readability is not real high. It's a little more difficult because it's just a word-for-word translation. I use New American Standard and the English Standard Version to study. That's, in fact, the only version I most of the time read. Sometimes I use uh, other translations to see what it says. 
But most modern translations that we have today in English, most of them are good, actually. So it attempts to convey God's Word in a word-for-word translation. Now, dynamic equivalence is a thought-for-thought translation, okay? So they, these incredible scholars have given their life to study the Word, and so they think, well, what were the writers writing at that time? What are they actually saying in English? What are they saying to us? So then they translate it thought for thought. It's more readable. It makes a little more sense. It flows better. It's a little bit less literal. NIV, New Living Translation, Living Bible. Phenomenal translations of God's Word. Still very accurate, but a little more readable. More of a thought-for-thought translation. Now, some people would say the Message Bible is a translation. I would say it's not. It's not. It's, It's more of a commentary, and it should be used as such. In fact, you can buy a Bible now in the store. You can have one translation on the side, and then the message is on the other half of the page to help help explain some things. If you go to a church and they're using the Message Bible and the sermons, you, you probably need to pray about moving your letter somewhere else. Not being ugly, just saying, it's really... In fact, Eugene Peterson that wrote that, he said in the front of it, this is not a translation of the Bible. But then the publishers realized they could make hundreds of millions of dollars off of it, so they said, the Message Bible. And Peterson, I don't know his heart, but he may have been okay or not okay with that. Whatever. We don't have to deal with that today. But if you don't have one of these, you need to get one. Now, three great ingredients you need for a quiet time. Oh, preacher, don't start talking about that now. I haven't done that in years. Hey, it's okay, friend. Just relax. I'm about to give you some tools. Three ingredients you need for a great quiet time. Number one, guess what it is? Hey, there we go. The Bible. You need it. Okay? There's a lot of really great uh, chronic versions you can use. Or I like a paper copy because it's easier on my eyes. doesn't hurt my eyes so much. In fact, this is large print, which is really like 10-point font, which I don't see how that's large print, but it said large print when I bought this Bible. You need a place. You need a place. I mean, if you're going to read the Bible and spend time with the Lord, don't you need a place? It, you don't have to do it in the same place, but it will help you build discipline into your life if you pick a place. You may have a chair. You may have a back porch. You may have a, a in your room, at your house. Wherever, that's between you and the Lord, you need a place. Number three, you need a time. If you're a morning person, you need to do it in the morning. If you're a night owl, you probably should do it at night. If you're a middle-of-the-day person, do it in the middle of the day. Whatever your best time of the day is, give that to the Lord. Sometimes you might need all three of those. This is not rocket science. God didn't make it complicated where some people could be extra spiritual Christians and other people were not. I mean, the Lord wants us all to go with Him, does He not? He wants us all to feed on the Word. And by the way, nobody can do that for you. Did you hear me? Nobody can do it for you. you got to do it on your own. Sometimes it's time to grow up and spend time and and build that discipline into your life. 
Some extra optional ingredients. You ready? Number four, a beverage. You should enjoy your time with the Lord. Enjoy it. Get you some milk and put some Nesquik in it. Stir that stuff up. Change your life. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, it's Nestle's Quick. Okay, that's what that is. Enjoy your time with the Lord. Have y'all ever opened your Bible and said, man, I really don't feel like doing this? And you, th- you thought, I'm, about to, I'm not going to do it. But then you say, okay, well, I'll do it. So I can tell Bubba, my friend, that I did this, okay? So you get in the Bible and you start reading it, and then you realize, man, I'm so glad I did this. This is directly speaking to my life. God just spoke to me. God of the universe just spoke to me through His Word. Wow. And then you think, I almost did not do this. You see, you have to be disciplined. You have to have faith. Faith is what gives you the unction to get out of your comfort zone and to spend time in the Word. To build that discipline. To do it when you don't feel like it. Do it when you don't feel like it. Trust God's Word. Another tool you can use is a journal. You don't have to use it, but it helps. Get you a journal. Read the text. Look for spiritual truths in the text. I prefer starting the front of a book and going all the way through it, not at one time, but just take it section by section or chapter by chapter. You can print off a reading plan offline. You can use a Bible app. It has reading plans. I know people are feeling convicted right now, which is good. But some people feel guilt, which is bad, because that's from Satan. Because Satan's whispering right now. He's trying to deceive people, saying, hey, you're not a good Christian. Friend, let me tell you something. The Lord is not mad at you right now. He's not. He's not throwing stones at you. He loves you. He's just saying, come back home. Come back and spend time with me. Man cannot live on bread alone, by every, but out of, by every word out of the mouth of God. So in that journal, you write down the spiritual truths or, or maybe just write how your day was or, or maybe what you're going to do. Or maybe write a little poem if you're poetic. Or maybe write a song if you like music. Or if you're an artist, draw a picture just to express what God's doing in you. If you don't like to write, don't use a journal. Another tool you might want to use is a devotional. So if you say, well, I really need some help getting started. Well, you can use a devotional. Make sure it's by somebody somebody that's been proven over time to not be heretical that will teach the Bible. And make sure that devotional lifts high the Word of God. If the devotional acts like it's on the same level, on par with the Word, put it down and walk away from it, okay? Because it's probably not good. And so I know some people will say, well, so-and-so just really speaks to me. So-and-so just, they really just, God just speaks to me through that person. And I would say, yes, He can. He can speak through a donkey too. He can speak through a person of any kind. He can speak through nature. He can speak through circumstances. But if you tell me that He speaks to you more through devotionals, than His Word, I would say to your face that that's an unhealthy thing. 
and you're probably a shallow Christian. Sometimes you got to take the training wheels off, just hold on for dear life and see what happens. If he wants to speak to you through a bug on your windshield, he could. So, because the saints are about to play, I got to wrap this up. But if you love the saints more than Jesus, friend, you better back away from the saints. We got to work some things out. Jesus created football. So, yeah. Well, he gave us the ability to do it. So, if you don't spend time on the word now, start this week, okay? It doesn't matter if we had 10,000 people come to our church. If we only have a few people in the Word during the week. I have failed miserably as a pastor. Failed. Miserably. If our Sunday school classes are busting at the seams and having great Bible studies on Sunday, but we have nobody spending time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in the Word, we are a weak and watered-down church and filled with no power. Friend, I dare you to take the time to spend in God's Word. Quote from Hudson Taylor. Do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with the Word of God in prayer and get first of all into harmony with Him. J. Hudson Taylor. Do not have your concert first and tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with the Word of God in prayer and get first of all into harmony with Him. Do you know this? We believe at this church house, this congregation, we believe in God's holy word. And if we didn't, we wouldn't be here. I'm about to go into a time of invitation. And there's a there's a verse there at the verse 13. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. I like to Read it. It's, it's after verse 12. It says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, nothing's hidden from the Lord. He sees it all. And here's what's overwhelming. Yet he sees all of our stuff. He's madly pursuing you right now. He loves you. He'll take 99 steps to you. He's asking you to take one to Him. How will you respond today to His Word? For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Will you come see that His Word is good? He's faithful and true. Let's pray.